0: It is true, I was in Africa, uh, third service, I preached third service, and then went out that door right to the airport Uh, from here. We got on a plane and arrived in Togo on Monday uh did uh, some work all day monday in fact i took luke kuhlman with me and uh, when we got back he's like you literally do work from morning to evening i mean he's like we were up at 5 30 every m- or 5 o'clock every morning because we left the <laughs> he-, he couldn't believe it he thought i was vacationing when we go to africa and uh and uh, we it was just a powerful time and and we went from togo Lomé, togo to ogadugu say that real quick uh, in Burkina Faso, which is just north, a bordering nation north of Togo. And uh, what we didn't fully, we weren't fully aware of was that the day before uh, we got there that the insurgents from Mali had made their way all the way down to the city limits of Ogadougou. And so that that day before we got there, they weren't even flying into Ogudugu because the Togo, Ivory Coast, and Ghana armies had to come up and help Burkina Faso push them back to the north. And uh, so when the planes landed, when we landed, they dropped us off and then took off. In fact, the night, uh, early that morning, they weren't even going to the airport. They were landing on the runway, dropping people off on the runway and letting the planes leave from there. And, uh, and we, we flew into it. It's pretty exciting, actually. Uh, it gets your blood going a little bit. And then the part that was very interesting is we had to get to a Bible school way up in the north and we didn't have an armed escort that would have drawn too much attention, but we actually drove up there. And when the Africans are telling you, it's pretty dangerous, so we're just gonna drop in, do what we're gonna do, and get out of there as fast as we can. How many know that, that kind of adds some excitement to your life? And uh, we actually came into contact with some of the insurgents that were trying to get fuel and bringing them. And, and I want to tell you, pure evil. It, I, I know God loves people. And i and I got to be very careful because when I say this, I don't want you to think God loves them any less. But when they looked at us, in the tr- it was pure evil coming out of their eyes. Like, have you ever looked in someone's eyes as someone that wants to like, legitimately kill you right now? Uh, and they looked right. There were too many people around, and they needed what they needed. And so, but they two young men looked right at us, and it was like uh, uh, it was incredible. But you know what? In that time and in that season, God is causing the church to rise up, and the people in that that area that says we are going to those places because darkness needs light, and we know we may have to lay down our life for it. And, uh, and we will do that for the gospel. Now, how many know that if you're willing to lay your life down for your gospel, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, then and only then you realize that the gospel means more to you than your life does? Right? When, you're, when you willingly walk into it to take it to people that need to hear it, that changes their life, then you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ means more to you than your own life. Not just Jesus, by far Jesus means more than our own life, right? But the gospel about Jesus, the good news about Jesus is even of more value than our own life. And that's when you realize that they're living a lot closer to eternity than we are. They have a connection to eternity and a reality of eternity far greater than anything we could ever imagine. And and I want to read this. Uh, to you, because there's a lot of people, what I want to talk about is, we're going to start a Christmas, uh, this, this series that I'm going to start is the Christmas Reminder. It's good news, right? It's good news, right? I hate Christmas series. If I can get out of doing a Christmas series, I will do it every single time, because the only reason we do Christmas series is make us feel more Christmassy, and I hate it because that's a waste of your time and my time. There is something far greater to this, and I'm like, Lord, I, am not do- I don't wanna ever do another Christmas series to make you feel better about it being Christmas holiday. I want something, there's something far greater going on here, and I want us to talk about that and kinda tear it open and, and find out what that is. And So the question is, it's good news, right? I want you to remember that question. It's good news, right? It's good news, right? then then what we have to do next slide is it true is it true i mean there are all kinds of things about christmas that we know are not true like santa's not true reindeer aren't true right the birth of christ we're pretty sure never happened in december that's not true There's a lot of things that surround and are involved in Christmas that are just not true. And then we throw in the birth of Christ. It lends itself to thinking, is it really true? Not only is the birth of Christ true, is it good news? Is the story of Christ that we see recorded in Scripture, is it true? Did it really happen? Is that something that took place or is it just make-believe? And and maybe you're here today, and I hope that there's someone in this room that maybe is here, and you say, I don't believe any of this stuff. I just came because I was asked to come, but I have a lot of doubts about all of this. I hope there are people in this room that that believe that way. And if there are not, if there are not people in this room that actually don't believe this stuff, do we really think it's good news? Because if we did, wouldn't we bring people to hear the good news? or is it just news or in some cases bad news just bad news because of what it means for me the bible did not create christianity did you know that the bible maybe you're like i i have a lot of questions about the the bible did not create christianity the bible recorded what took place In, in, in the walk of life, do you know there were, there were, there were thousands of years, hundreds of years that where people never had a Bible? Did you know that? They didn't have a Bible. That the Bible is something that when it was written was not talking about a collection of books. When the people wrote the Bible, they weren't talking about a collection of books. They had no understanding that a Bible would even be a Bible or a book. They were merely writing what God had told them or spoken to them or what they had experienced, what they saw, what they witnessed. They were merely writing down. They weren't going out to try to prove something to anyone. They were basically, before I fall off the stage, they were, the stage is a lot bigger in Africa. They were basically essentially saying, listen, this is what I experienced. I am telling you what I witnessed. And I want you to know that it is real. That, that we don't believe in the birth of Christ because the Bible says so, we believe the birth of Christ because uh, 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 witnesses saw it happen, they experienced it they experienced the power of what happened with Christ in their life and they said I need to let you know what we saw, what we tasted what we heard I, I, want, I want to show you a verse and I don't think it's in there because I've added it late it's in Revelation 12 11. so this is one of those places where if you don't have your Bible you should have brought your Bible. I mean church is a great place to bring your Bible. You can bring it to Walmart and Target but you really should bring it to church. Okay. Um, and here's why. And most of you're going to your phone. Go to Revelation 12:11. It's a very common scripture. We've used it a lot, but I want to show you that's in the Bible and if you can put it in there if there's a way to do that, then put it in there for the, the next service. But here's what it says. It says they triumphed Re- Revelation 12:11 said they triumphed over him. Who are th- who's him? The enemy. Satan, the devil, his imps, all of those people working against, that's who they're referring to him, by what? The blood of the, say it with me, the blood of the lamb and by what? The word of their testimony. Now stop right there because I'm going to finish it and I know how we like to read ahead, but the word of their testimony. They overcame the enemy by the word of their testimony. Testimony. The power was the power of God, the incarnate power of God was in their testimony and their testimony inspires us today. But the same power that empowers their testimony in our lives today is the same power that empowers our testimony in the lives of people around us. It's not held just to the people in the Bible and their lives, and we love to just encompass it in the Bible and their understanding and in the book, and it's just the power in their testimony, but there's power in my testimony. There's power in the word of what God put in my life and what he's spoken to me, and that's how we overcome by the word of our testimony. We need to testify of what God is doing in our lives. And look what it says, and this is the part that I I think fits so uh, appropriately in what I just walked through in Africa. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death because they really believed. There's a life beyond this place, and it may cost me, the, the gospel may call for my life, but I will lay it down gladly because of what's ahead. It's good news. It is good news. I, you know, after last week I spoke on, on getting caught up and being raptured. And, 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 I, and, I, and as I was, I was listening to someone in Africa speak, the Lord really spoke to me. The raptures take place every single day. They really do. When someone dies, before death can take its hold on their life, Christ comes and raptures them up. To be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. That literally he's there before death can ever conquer you. That he is there to rescue you. Here's the second question. The first one is 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 it true? Here's the second one is it good? Is it good? Because even if it is true, is it good news? Is our Christian faith good for society? Is what we believe in good for our community, for the world, for our children? Is it good or is it harmful? Is it bad news? Is it news that is destroying lives? Or is it good, you know, we use the gospel either as a scalpel or a a chainsaw. A scalpel's meant to heal because you want to help that person to heal, and so you use the scalpel to, to cut and to, and to take out what is harming them, but too often we, we see what's killing people and we go in with a chainsaw and we end up killing them with the very tool that was meant to help them because we're careless with the gospel because we're careless with the words we use because we're careless in attacking people with something that will destroy them than healing them is the gospel so so when you hear news when you hear news there's two responses when you hear bad news don't you hope that it's not true when you hear bad news, don't you hope it's not true? Like if someone were to come, if I were to come up here this morning and say, hey, I just wanted you to know that Netflix is doubly, doubling their subscription thing, how many would say, I hope that's not true? Right, for those who are Netflix people. Or, or if I were to say that uh, they're, they're saying there's going to be another shutdown uh, uh, in a week, how many would say, I'd hope that's not true? Right? Because when you hear bad news, everybody hopes that that isn't actually going to happen, that it's not true. However, when you hear good news, you hope it is true, right? You hope it is true. If I were to tell you Chick-fil-A is giving free sandwiches this afternoon, how many would say, I hope that's true, right? Or if I were to say sugar has been uh, proven to expand your life expectancy, how many say, I hope it's not true, I hope it's true. Or that Cain's chicken contributes to a healthier heart. If you've been to Keynes, you'd say amen. I, I hope that's true. <laughs> or or you, you hear things like, or coffee stimulates uh, lo- loss of weight. Yeah. Okay, I finally found one that you can relate to. When you hear about something, when you hear about something, next slide, when you hear about something that is good, You hope it's true. But just because it's good doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's true. At the announcement of Christ, the angels broke through the scene and they said, I have good news, tidings of great joy. Here's the third thing for everyone. For every person, this is great news, not just a select group of people, for every Jew and Roman, every Gentile, every Samaritan, anyone, it was great joy. Great, good news of great joy for every single person on the planet. And isn't it amazing how we look at that and we say, praise the Lord. As Gentiles, we were left on the outside of what the Jews were experiencing. But when the angel broke through, he said, it isn't just for the Jew. It isn't just for the Roman or the Samaritan. It is for everyone. That's great news. That's good news. Great joy. So here's my question for you. This is my question for you. Was it good news of great joy for all people? Was it good news of great joy for people? Is it still good news of great joy for everyone? Then if that's true, where is everyone? Because we just established when you hear good news, you hope it's true. Why is it in a day, and an age, right now, in the same message, this message that God entrusted into us, if it's good news, why are so many people leaning away from it rather than leaning into it? When Jesus walked the earth, people leaned into the good news. They wanted to hear, could it be true? Could it be true? Is this something they listened because they wanted it to be true Today? They want it not to be true. Why is that? Why is it that they're not experiencing? If we always lean into good news, why isn't everybody, everyone in our nation, city, leaning in, hoping it is true? Not learning, hoping, leaning. Hoping it is true. I haven't forgotten what to say. I'm hoping you're answering that question in your mind right now because I know in a room with even this many people, we all have an opinion why people are leaning away. But if the original gospel that Jesus brought to us, which means God's spell, gospel means God's spell or good news, it it literally means good news, if it's such good news, why are so many people leaning away from it? And I'm sure in this room, everyone has some kind of opinion of why, and it not it interesting? And I hear comments like this. Listen, I hear comments like this all the time. Uh, and, it, and it really kind of bothers me. In fact, I was with a pastor uh, on a motorcycle ride, and he said, a, he said something that really bothered me. He said, self-righteous people, there are so many self-righteous believers that th- make statements that are just extremely unbiblical. Statements like... It's just God weaning out those. Just weaning people out. Hmm. self-right. And he made a statement that just was so stark. That's incredible self-righteousness. That's the kind of statement a Pharisee would have made. Do you really think Jesus came to earth to wean out people and then make the statement he loves everyone? Do you really think God is trying to separate the weed from the terrors? Aren't you already putting an identity on someone that they're the weed and not the fruit? Did God create some that he would not like? That he would throw them away and just throw them out? Or has God, does God love everyone? For God so loved the... That he gave his son he did not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be we need to change our attitude we really need to repent and change the way we think about people that don't behave the way we think they should behave Because we've turned the gospel into a behavioral gospel that as long as you behave the way I think you should behave, then then you're the fruit. But if you don't behave that way, God is throwing you out like a weed and ripping you up and throwing you out. And we completely interpret the scripture wrong. God loves those who behave and those who do not behave. Are you with me this morning? That's what the gospel's about. That's the good news. But we use the gospel as a tool to separate and divide, to say you're in and you're not in because of the way you behave, rather than that Jesus Christ came to earth, died on a cross, was buried in the ground and resurrected so that we could have life no matter how you behave. We have forgotten the source to our life is Jesus, not our own self-will and power. That's humanism. That's humanism. So how they have come to the conclusion that this message is not good news, how have they come to that conclusion? How have they come to the place that they're against me? Because Christians have been against people who do not behave like they behave. We see them as evil. We see them as horrible. Remember when I said, when when I was standing in Burkina Faso and they looked at, you could see the evil in their eye. That doesn't mean they were evil. They were under the captivity of the evil that they had succumbed to. They needed light. Light. And that is why men and women across this globe go into places that nobody wants to go to take the gospel while we sit in our safeness of our seat dying a slow death. It's time to come alive. It's time to believe that we have good news and not to separate people out that don't look like us or act like us or behave like we behave, but to love people. You know what I love about Jesus? He never went to people and said, these are why you're all wrong. He went to people and said, this is who you are. He went to Gideon and said, great warrior in the midst. He didn't say, you coward, you're supposed to be a great. He said, great warrior. He called out of them what God had created in them. We call things out of people that are already destroying them. We call out the things, their bondages. We call out all of the things that are holding them captive rather than the thing that's meant to set them free. The gospel is who they are, not what has their attention. I don't know, maybe it's because I was in Africa. I get a little preachy this morning. Look, look at this. The original news was so good, it's compelling. Look, look at, this is what Jesus said. He made the statement, next slide. The law and the prophets were proclaim, proclaimed until John. Until John. But then, look at what he says. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. There is power. There's a lot of people who are attacking people because of what they believe are done and their behavior. They're judging and attacking and going after, and they think that's the gospel, yet they operate in no power. They don't operate in love. They don't have joy. They're struggling to find their purpose while they attack everyone else for where they're at. My friend, Jesus loves you. Even in that condition where you judge and you attack and you go after, Jesus loves you. Jesus didn't call you to do that. He called you to preach the good news. And the good news to everyone. Great joy. That means you call out of people what you see that is good, not what bad. You find what is in them that is good. You be clear about it. You will accomplish more by calling out what Christ put in them than calling out what the enemy has established in their life. Who do you work by? What gospel are you preaching? Bondage or, or, or freedom? The good news, the original version, it was this. The original version is this. It was compelling. It drew people, why you always, when I do bad things, why do you always say good things about me? When I hurt you, when I, when I literally know I offended you, why do you always say how good I am? Why do you celebrate me? You want to win someone's heart? You call out when they when they spit out evil and and terrible, you call out the goodness of the Lord out of them. It is worth telling and it was simple so that everyone could understand it. In Luke, in Luke it says this, the good story of Jesus, Luke 1:1 1, 1 says this, many Many, many, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. It says many. What is many to you? Is it four? Is it four? Is it two? What Luke was saying, there were so many people that tried to create an account, to give an account of what Jesus was doing. We have four that are written and recorded in history of what Jesus did. But there were many more that had experienced. Why were many trying to give an account? Do you know how expensive it was to write down the account of of any person? You would have had to have been very wealthy to pay a scribe to write down your story. And in that story, you would have recorded it in a manner where you were the hero. All of those things that would have made you look bad, you would have cleaned up and made you look good. And here is Jesus, who not only has one person, after he dies, there are many people wanting to give an account for what he did. If you need logic, how is that logic that this is just a made-up story? Why would anyone invest that kind of money in telling a lie four times? Luke wasn't there trying to prove to you. Luke was letting you know what he found out. I'm just telling you the story. I'm not sitting here giving you my bias. I'm an eyewitness of what he did and how it impacted my life. That's all I'm here to to tell you. Do you know how many will take, let me ask you this question, do you know how many will take their time, resources and energy to draw up an account of your life? When you die? Now I, I don't wanna be mean, I'm not trying to be insulting, but But I think this would be the answer. Not many. That was pretty quiet. And then I'm reminded I'm in Minnesota. That was kind of funny. It was a great place to laugh, but maybe it's a stark reminder that, yeah, if they're recording. You know know what's amazing to me is we're content to sit here and hear the whole gospel all over again, a hundred times, bored by it. When there are hundreds of people, thousands, even 42% of the world that have never heard it one time. We are fundamentally boring. Somebody say amen. We, there, there, is a, there is something more that God is calling us to. You know why somebody wrote all the stories about Jesus? Because something in the first century significantly happened. There was something that was radically and incredibly took place during that time. In Luke 1, it says, Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Just as they were handed down to us by those who are from the first were eyewitnesses and servants. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. He investigated it from beginning. The beginning look at it says i too decided to write an orderly account for you most excellent and he's talking theophilus and and he says i've decided to record this account i've decided to talk about it so let me talk about this tiding of great joy because jesus is in a house and he's preaching and while he's preaching to a packed house, going out the door, people were just leaning in and drawing toward Jesus because they had never heard what Jesus was saying, and there was hope in it. And when, when you hear a story, you don't know if it's true, but if it's good news, you want to find out if it's true. If, if I were to tell you this morning that, that you could get a free meal at Chick-fil-A, how many people would say, I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to go there and find out? Right? whether it's because you want to know if it's good news. And if it's good news, what do you do? As soon as you find out you're calling grandmama and your dad and mom and every single person you know that's a friend, and you're saying, hey, get down there and get your free meal at Chick-fil-A. Right? Because it's what? Which brings great joy. Right? And the first question they say is, is it For everyone! For everyone! right? Uh, I don't, this isn't in my notes, but Paul Freitag and I have tickets to T-Wolves, and, and there was a number of years where they gave away, if the T-Wolves won and scored more than 100 points, uh, uh, you would get free cherry berry for every ticket you had. So Paul and I, being who we are, we're cousins. He's sitting right back there, for those who don't know him. Uh, uh, we went out and collected all the tickets that were, people were throwing out, because they clearly did not get the good news. So we gathered all the tickets that we could find. He he always beat me in the ticket collection, just how he is. He's always got to compete because he's older, and uh, he had more. So I think he had like 36 and I had 24 or 26. And, uh, and he'll dive into a trash can to pull some out, and that's that how serious. And we and for Paul's birthday, we invited everybody we knew to Cherry Berry, and we paid for it with Timberwolves tickets. <laughs> now that was good news. That brought great joy for everyone who wanted to come. People were walking through the door we didn't even know. We were giving them a Timberwolves ticket and they were getting free cherry berry that night because it was for everybody in that restaurant. That's a true story. They said that they spent almost $1,500 of cherry berry. We got totally free. That's good news for us for sure. Here's Jesus. Everybody's leaning in and they're listening. and While he's standing there preaching, something falls and the first time you just kind of do this and then something, and then something bigger falls, and then before you know it, there's like light starts shining. And when we installed the stage lights, you know, he's thinking, and, and pretty soon the roof opens up and there's something, there's bright light, and then all of a sudden there's something that blocks it, and they lower this bed right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, You do know we have an eleven fifteen service, right? Now that was funny. All right, And they lay him down there, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, he, he comes to the point after, I'm sure, just shocked that they're lowering this person in front of him. He says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees in the room say, wait a minute, we have a system for that. You cannot forgive sins, only God can forgive sins. And I think in that moment, Jesus looked at him and said, that's true. That's true. But how are you going to believe that I've forgiven this man's sin? You can't physically see it. And so, so he says, it, it, that's right, God can forgive sin. Let me ask this, who can heal this man? Get up, take your mat, and walk. You can physically see that. Only God can, but he just, it's good news. See, here's the, here's the problem with all of that. See, we separate the healing of his body from the sins that were forgiven the man said um my sins are forgiven that's not actually why we ripped open the roof and we got lowered down here you know I got kind of lowered down here because they said you do this new technique of healing and and that I might be able to walk you know what's incredible is when Jesus came he came to give us life which conquers sin and sickness and disease and lameness all the same. There was no, he came to conquer death and give us life. The greatest problem Jesus came to solve was not your sin problem, it was your death problem. And then he stops. You know what I love about Jesus? He didn't sit there and tell the man all the sins he did, he didn't spend 20 minutes in front of everyone saying, This is what you did that's wrong, this is why. But he said, this is who you are. Get up and walk. That's what you were created to be. Now I'm going to call you to what you were created to be. You know, oh, no, pastor. He said, now go and sin no more. He didn't call out his sin. He just said, now don't go and do it sin anymore. I, I hope you're getting this this morning because you're not amening at all. <laughs> Acting like the frozen chosen right now, right? Now now let me take you to another story. He comes to a leave, to the, the Levi, and he's a tax collector, and yeah, they're hated more than any people on the planet by even the religious leader, and you'll never lead anyone to Christ that you hate, by the way. You'll never do that. Never going to happen. You've completely eliminated a whole class of people if you hate that class of people. And Levi is sitting there, and Jesus walks up to Levi and he says, "Hey, Levi uh, I want you to come and follow me and He goes. you want me to follow you do you know it's amazing you're even talking to me your people hate me look at your followers they're even disgusted man look at their face they don't even want me around he says what do you want me to do you want me to follow you what does that mean well i want i want you to get up and i'm going to come over to your house you want to come to my house yeah levi i want to come to your house and I want to talk to you about the good news for you and his followers and the Pharisees, they're sitting there behind him, going, What are you doing? Why, why are you telling him to follow us? You're kind of lowering this. This is more of an elite thing. We're your disciples, it's a big deal. Everybody looks at us with this esteem, like we're we're really important. When you invite a Levi to come or a Matthew to come and be with us, you kind of lessen the esteem of our position. It's not for everyone, Jesus, it's just for us. Isn't that how we are in church when we sit here week after week and we never take the good news to anyone else, especially those we can't stand? Next slide. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Look at Luke 5:32. I have not come to call the righteous the self-righteous those who don't think they need a savior. I've not come for that. And and it's amazing because we've truly we've truly done this. We we he especially didn't come to be relegated to a holiday in December. He didn't come so that his birth would be relegated. Sure, we can celebrate the birth of Christ really, and we need to celebrate the worth of Christ every single day. He so Said, I didn't come for the righteous. I, didn't, I, I really didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners, to think differently. And that's really where I want us, want us to go. You know, um, Luke 6, 27 says this, You know, there is a point where the message of Christ stopped being good. The worship team can come up here. there There is a point in history where the message of Christ stopped being good for everyone. Because we stopped preaching the good message. And we started preaching a message that was tainted. And listen, if you're somebody that was raised in a home where the gospel you were given separated those who are are bad from those who are good, and you think that the way you take Jesus to the world is to tell them what they're doing wrong, listen, that's not the original gospel. What Christ did is he saw the person there and he called out of them who they were. They don't need any more people telling them what they're doing wrong and how they're doing it wrong and all the bad. What they need is someone to see them for who Christ made them, created them to be. Are you with me? Are you with me this morning? You know, when I was in Africa, I was talking to the general superintendent of the entire uh, country of Burkina Faso. He's this number two leader in the whole continent of Africa for the Assemblies of God. And he told me, he said, there's such a problem with believers in our country looking at the gospel through the view of animalism because that's how they were raised what what the gospel is meant to do is change what repentance is is not saying i'm sorry can i just say this i think god could care less if you're sorry or not what he cares about is whether you change the way you think this is what happens We come to Christ, we say, I'm sorry, and we think the same way we always think and we make the gospel fit the way we think rather than letting the gospel change the way we see people. We have to see them differently. We have to see them as the object of God's love, not the object of our attack, of our arrows, of going after them. We have to see people with love and take the good news, tidings of great joy, to everyone. To everyone. Luke 6, 27 says this, and it's not there. Um, Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you do not do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything, anything back. And you will be, now look at this, and you will be, and you will be, I think we read right over this and we miss it, and you will be children of the Most High. And you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. How are you, children of the Most High? Because you're kind to those who are ungrateful and wicked. Brent, and you're going to have this gentleman, the missionary that we were talking to while we were there in Burkina Faso, was shot by an Al-Qaeda member while he was on the mission field in Niger. He's driving his car. The guy drove up. Shot the guy in his leg, blew his kneecap all the way back to his leg. He pulls over. They took, he took another bullet in his body. He pulls over. They pull him out of his car. They take him out in the middle of the desert, leave him to die. At which point he says, I'm ready to die now. I mean, will you take care of my family? God said, He's basically giving up his ministry. And God says to him, Did I tell you you were going to die? And then he started, okay, then he started worship, he started worshiping. And a police uh, um, army vehicle came and got him. Now, now I'm gonna tell you a story. He's gonna come and tell you this story. I don't know when, because I haven't gotten the date yet. He's gonna come and tell you one of the most incredible stories you'll ever hear. I'll give you one piece of it that he said the police were called a half hour before he was shot that there was a man laying in the desert dying. And that they needed to go and get him. We are part of a bigger story, a narrative going on that he's writing. And so many of us are preaching a gospel outside the realm of what he's trying to tell the world around us. And it isn't good news to people. It's horrible news. It excludes people. It condemns people. Even though Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Why are you condemning people? There are not right, self-righteous Jesus followers. There are not self-righteous Jesus followers. Is Christianity good? Is it good? People want the message of Jesus to be true. Even before they're convinced it's true. I, I contend this morning the reason churches are not full all over America today is because they have been given messages of the gospel That quite frankly are bad news don't bring them joy it brings them condemnation and they view many Christians as just being condemning because we have put behavior we have put behavior ahead of grace not truth we've put behavior ahead of grace None of you in this room were fully perfect when you came to Christ. And if you think you were, you're believing a lie. This is truly about a relationship with Jesus Christ and not about a religion. There is good news of great joy that is meant for everyone let's go preach the good news and bring joy to everyone. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can change the heart of a person without you ever telling them that they need to change. Sometimes he uses people to share truth. And sometimes they wake up because they have been in the presence of God and they're totally set free. Does that make sense? But we're not the ones that determine that. The Holy Spirit does that. Stop trying to do things that He never asked you to do and start doing the thing He's called you to do. Go, therefore, into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? that's what we have Father in the name of Jesus will you stand in the name of Jesus Father thank you for a good news gospel of great joy that set us free I know Lord that challenges a lot of the way we've thought throughout the years because we have heard we there's a separate we're going to separate you're trying to separate the bad from the good and yet you said there are nobody good there is no good there's no good person. There's no one good. So does that mean we're all separated from you, Lord? Or does your grace, is your grace good news? Is it for everyone? When your word says you have come into the world that all might be saved, is it true? You're trying to get rid of some of us? Or Lord, do you have a vision and a hope and a, and a call to reach everyone? Lord, I pray you cause us to think as you think and not as we've been taught to think, but as you think. For your ways are higher than our ways. your thinking greater than our thinking, Lord God. Let your words set in us a fire, Lord God, that causes us to see people differently, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.